Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 234, Finance Friday edition, where we talk to Lindsay about analysis paralysis and too much cash. I saw our retirement horizon at like 20 years, but we'd love to free up time and space in our lives to pursue our own passions within the next five years, which is very accelerated because as of two years ago, I was just an artist and I was like, oh, we'll just never retire, I guess. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me, as always, is my pun master co-host, Scott Trudge. Ugh, I don't have one today. Wow. Wow. I'm really not selling this very well at all. Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else. To introduce you to every money story, because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter where or when you're starting. Touche, Mindy, touche. <laughs> Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate or start your own business, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards those dreams. I am excited to talk to Lindsay today because she has a really great problem. She is sitting on too much cash. Yeah. I, and that's actually kind of a problem. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think she has a lot of good options. They're thinking through a lot of interesting things. They've got their fundamentals in a really strong position. And now they need to pick a investment approach and go and get, and get aggressive about it. The good news is that I think the pieces that they're laying right now are going to accelerate their ability to invest in a way that she probably wasn't thinking about prior to the show. And I think it opens up the power, you know, the, the, the discussion today, I think reveals some of the power of real estate investing and just how fast that, that journey can get, it can accelerate once you've got some income in place on your tax return and can get the access to additional debt financing in future years. Yeah. I think you make a really good point. She has, a lot of really great options. She just needs to figure out which one is the best. I think we gave her several research opportunities today to look at, you know, things to consider with both her current situation and future situations. And I just, I really think she's got a lot of phenomenal options. It's just choosing which of these great options do I want to pursue first. Before yep. we bring in Lindsay, let's hear a note from our attorney. The contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice, and neither Scott nor I nor Bigger Pockets is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. Hey, maybe if this podcasting thing doesn't work out, I could get a job as a uh, auctioneer. Okay, that's not any fun. You're really selling it, Mindy. <laughs> When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. 
You ever feel like your vacation rental sits empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Lindsay and her husband are in their late 30s and hoping to hit five within the next five years. But not to retire and quit their jobs. They both have fantastic jobs that they love. They're also in the enviable position of having a lot of cash, and they want to deploy that cash in an intelligent way. Lindsay, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I'm so excited to be here. And it really does. It feels like you guys are friends because I listen to you all the time. That's right. We are friends. Well, we are Lindsay real life friends. Just, just up the street from me. Uh, her husband, I'm sorry, her son is my pool boy. Yes. Not you really. can't wait to come back and strain what? the pool. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, he picked up all the dead bugs. Okay, so Lindsay, let's jump in and look at your income statement and balance Okay. Sheet. Where is the money coming in? And or what is the money coming in and where's it going? All right. So we've got a few different streams of income. Uh, my husband, Patrick, he brings in 60000 a year from his WCO. I am self-employed. I'm a jewelry artist. And I sell online. I make about 30000 a year on average doing that. And I've done that for about 12 years. I started a part-time relationship coaching position last fall. And that's about... $10,000 a year. And then we also rent part of our property for um, $8,400 a year. So $700 a month. And then our take-home pay is $6,200 of that. Okay. So we have $6,200 in cash hitting your bank account every month. Yeah. So that's with taxes, retirement, HSA, and our healthcare premium taken out of that grand total. So we have $6,200 left over. Love it. That's really that's really clear and easy to understand. Thank you. Um, and where's your expense? Where are your expenses? Yeah. After that, after those uh, healthcare, HSA, taxes, retirement, all that kind of stuff. Where where are those? Where's that money going? Yeah. So monthly expenses. Our mortgage is fifteen fifty. Groceries are usually under seven hundred a month. So in that six hundred to seven hundred range. And we are a family of five. So I feel like that's pretty dialed in for us. Yeah, I was going to say, how did you get that down to 700? I'm going to come back to that. But All right, we'll come back to that. Let's just dog ear it. Uh, life insurance. Patrick and I each have a 20-year term policy for $500,000, and that's $75 a month for both of us. Uh, car insurance, uh, $115. We have an umbrella liability policy for $20 a month. Uh, gas and fuel, 100 a month. Utilities, 300 So that's our water, electric, gas, and trash. Internet is 90 We have two phones for 60 a month. Dog food, 50 Clothes, 50 Eating out, we budget 50 to 100 
gifts, a hundred, then travel, 150. And then I also like to include um, medical and dental CapEx, 150, car CapEx, 250. And that's for like registration, maintenance, or any future payments we need to make to purchase a car. And then our home capex at two fifty. I, I think this is fantastic. What, what I'm observing is what I, I think is complete control over your budget, uh, or as good as we've seen from essentially anybody. You're super clear on it. You know exactly where all the money is going. You have re, uh, reserves for major capex capex items and that kind of stuff. Are you finding um, before I get now that I've said you are, are? Are you finding that you're able to actually hit this budget and maintain it pretty consistently over time? Yeah, it, and that you're in, pre, in pretty good control. For the last couple of years, especially, so we were introduced to Phi two years ago. And since then, I think we've really kept a tight budget and we have like leftovers for those kind of miscellaneous things that pop up. So I feel like the budget is pretty solid and we stick to it pretty well. Awesome. So a- after all of this expenses, are you finding you're able to save about fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars a month in cash? We're yeah, we're actually saving about two thousand a month in cash, and that's going directly into our savings account currently. Awesome. And how long has this uh, current state been going on, where you've been saving about that about two thousand a month? So we've kind of just graduated it over time. So originally it was like trying to save fifty dollars per week, and we've got it up as um, as we paid off our car, as Patrick has. Um, gotten raises in his job as I pulled in a new work last year. We've just been increasing that by a couple hundred dollars every week for the last year or so. So that's why we have as much cash as we do. Yeah. So every, everyone who's listening, you know, this that's what how this goes, right? If you start if you start and you're just figuring it out, you haven't been budgeting or that that kind of stuff before, you're probably not saving very much. 50, 100 bucks a month or something like that might be all that can be managed. But within 2 years, we've seen a lot of people who get to this type of of, of situation with that, and that's because you guys you, you and you just demonstrated a process that that led to that that Again, took two years and got you to $2,000 a month, and you were super crisp on every single point, you know, where every single dollar coming in is, you know, where every single dollar coming out is, and you can articulate it there and think through it. So it's not, it's just in five minutes, we're done, and we can get to where should that money go? That's a great position to be in. That's, that's, that says you are going to be very, very wealthy uh, over time. Now it's just a matter of what is the right approach for, for me and my family to begin deploying that cash. The fundamentals are, are perfect, I think. That's very validating to hear because a lot of this is just in my own head. Like I lead the way for finances. My husband's just along for the ride now. Okay. I'm going to stop you right there and say a lot of this is just in my own head, but you're doing really well. You've got it really, uh, I don't want to say dialed in because that's what Scott just said, but it's a really great phrase. So I'm going to say it anyway. You have it dialed in. Becoming financially independent doesn't have to be this like weird thing that, you know, oh, am I doing it it right? Is your grow are, is your balance growing every month? Is it, you know, are you seeing progress? Then you're doing it right. And, you know, you're not gonna see progress every single month because life happens, but you're doing it right. And it's it's like I, what am I trying to say? It's not this like giant puzzle. How do I get this? Spend less than you earn, invest wisely, uh, save money when you can, uh, earn more. What is it? There's the four. Invest, spend less than you earn, earn more money, invest wisely, start a business. You've started a business. You're investing wisely. You're spending less than you earn. 
and you are generating more income. You said you just started a new relationship coaching job. Like you're doing all the things. Yeah. Congratulations. Hey, all right. you won. <laughs> Nothing else to see here. From episode 234. Well, now, now, now we have an interesting strategic decision to make that will depend on your goals. Where do I deploy this wealth? And what is my strategy around that? And it's got, that's got to be based on where you want to be in a period of time. So what are your goals and where, what, what do you want to achieve with, with this call today? Right. So we'd like to find out if we're missing any blind spots and there's some bigger questions about real estate investing and how to use our cash and um I guess equities that we do have to make sure that we're making strong continue to make strong financial steps forward and maybe at a quicker pace. So if we went the traditional route of continuing to just put money into our 401k's I saw our retirement horizon at like 20 years, but we'd love to free up time and space in our lives to pursue our own passions within the next five years, which is very accelerated because as of two years ago, I was just an artist and I was like, oh, we'll just never retire, I guess. Nope, that, that, makes, that makes perfect sense. We have, we have a five-year time horizon to achieve some semblance of, of passive income, either allowing you full financial freedom or perhaps right. the option just be more flexible with major life decisions. Is that, is that a good way of articulating it? That's a great way to articulate it. Just to take the pressure off of having to earn income. And I think it'll free us up creatively. Like Patrick loves his job, but he'd also like to consult more. And that feels like a risk for a family of five. Mm -hmm. And I like making jewelry, but I'd also like to pursue my passion in painting and not have it be attached to any kind of monetary outcome. Love it. Now let's go through, we we actually skipped a section here. What, what, how would we describe or articulate your net worth today? And what are your investments and liabilities? Yeah. So our liabilities, uh, the only debt we have is our home mortgage. So it's at about 250,000. And last year we locked in a 30 year fixed rate at 2.85%. So it's like that sub 3% and that's it. And I think once we finish our basement remodel, our home will be valued at 550 to 600,000. Awesome. And what? All right. And then investments. That's what I was going to ask. Yep. Is that what you're going to ask, Scott? Yeah. All right. Investments. We got Patrick's 401k at 150000 uh, And then he's going to get a $10,000 um, employee-owned distribution at the end of this year. I have a Roth. Is that in cash? It'll go, it'll go directly or into his 401k, 401k, which is nice because then we don't have to plan for any kind of tax event around that. Uh, I have 37000 in my Roth. We have a HSA with $6,000 in it. And can we put a pin in that too? Because I have at least one major upcoming surgery next year. Mm-hmm. We have a after-tax brokerage with 18000 in it. And that's like all Tesla stock. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, shout out. Thanks. <laughs> and then we're also... Uh, <laughs> Five percent limited partner with a local bakery, but we haven't seen any returns on that yet. So, all right. And then I guess our house is kind of like an investment because we're house hacking it right now too. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm I'm looking at what appears to be a what three hundred, four fifty, four fifty to five hundred thousand dollar net worth. Is that kind of 
in the ballpark. Yeah, and then we have um, actually sitting in cash right now, one hundred fifteen thousand. Oh, well, that's another big one. That's a, yeah. Okay, that was not in the original notes that you. Oh, sent it me, wasn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> ace in the hole. Oh, like, all right. Well, we got one hundred fifteen thousand uh, dollars. Uh, in addition to that, that's that's pretty interesting. Great. And thirty five thousand of that we've allocated to finish our basement remodel. Okay, great. So we're about halfway through the remodel process. So you got eighty thousand to play with. Eighty thousand to play with. Okay, great. Um, so we got about a six hundred thousand dollar net worth or so with that. I think that sounds accurate. Okay, great. And the goal is to get to some semblance of flexibility inside of the next three to five years. How um, across the levers that Mindy mentioned, spend less, earn more, invest, or create? Where do you think the opportunities lie? I think create more, like. I would love real estate to be a part of that vision of moving forward in the future because I think that's the way we're going to get the quickest cash flow and it's not going to be tied to retirement accounts. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. If if you were to just continue maxing out the Roth IRA, or the, the, the traditional and, and IRAs here with that, you... I think you're you're absolutely accurate. You're not going to feel comfortable taking any big flexible moves inside of the next three to five years. Uh, and since that's your goal, you can't continue to, to deploy all your capital there. You guys are doing great with your financial situation, but it's not enough surplus cash flow that I, I think you'll be able to max out your 401ks and Roth IRAs and invest in real estate at the same time. So you have to make an allocation decision at some level, that's probably going to be fairly uncomfortable with that, you know, uh, with those things. And that's going to be, I think, the biggest outcome, I think, from today is thinking through those approaches and and, and where we're going to go with that. You you said create as well. You'd be willing to focus more on building these businesses uh, that you have or? Yeah, I'd definitely be interested in that. I think especially with creativity, like being able to untie money from the creative process could actually lead to something more interesting and potentially, um, yeah, bigger growth in a business because it's not tied to, uh, immediate sales. Okay. Um, where would you, where do you, where would you like to start? Would you like to start with a discussion in, in, oh, oh, and lastly, is there an opportunity to just earn more from what you're doing or what, what your, 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 or the work your husband does or consulting there? I think there there's definitely opportunities for both of us to earn more. Um, for me, I feel a little challenged in that area because I'm also a full-time stay-at-home mom. So I tend to bookend the day with my work. I'm hammering in the morning or I'm hammering at 9 p.m. after the kids are asleep. Uh, and I don't want to take away too much time with my kids during the day. But for Patrick, um, I really do believe he's underpaid for his position. And I think he knows he is. So it could be as simple as him making an ask to his director. Mm. And then he is also interested in consulting. Okay. I like that phrase. It's just as simple as I know. It's so easy to ask. You just, Hey, can I have a raise? Thanks. Um, We interviewed Aaron Lowry, Lowry, Lowry. Sorry, Aaron. I butcher your name every time. I'm sorry. It's not you. It's me. Uh, We interviewed Aaron a few months ago on episode 169. And on that episode, we talked about her latest book, which is um, Money Conversations to Have. Mm. And one of the tips she gave us was to keep a folder in your email that is just anytime you get a complimentary email, especially from a client or something like that, save it in that email. 
So in, in that folder. So when it's time to ask for a raise, you're not trying to remember, oh, I know everybody loves me. Yeah. Here's 57 emails from people who love me. Here's, you know, every time your boss sends you a Slack message that says, hey, great job. That was so wonderful to hear from you. You screenshot that and you put that or you pin it and you put that in your folder so that you can present that. Hey, here's all the things that I'm doing well. I believe that I deserve a $20,000 raise or, you know, I would like a $20,000 raise because of all these things. And anytime he's generated more income or sales or whatever metric his company uses to to uh, determine success is another thing to write down. And you just keep track of this as you're going throughout your day. I think he could probably figure out a great, um, a great request within the next month. So I would say, have him start thinking about that, have him start uh, working on that and gathering these uh, bits of information, but also he's in one of those weird jobs that's like really hard to compare. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's a receptionist where there's, you know, the receptionist salary in this what, what, area is this type. What I'm gathering here is that you know, there is an opportunity it. perhaps to get a salary increase, but there's not an opportunity to fundamentally change the amount of income that your household's bringing in. Maybe a good raise would bring in a couple more hundred dollars a month, but this is not going to change the trajectory uh, and get us to where we need to be in, in three to five years. We can ask for the raise and that kind of stuff, and I'm sure Patrick would have more information for us if he were on 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 here about the 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 background behind right. w- where he's at and why that why why that is or is not an appropriate level and how to go about doing that. But I, for what I'm hearing is, yes, that, that could be a to-do, but I think it will be a judgment call that he'll have to make based on his understanding of the company and you guys will have to talk through with that. But does that, does that feel right in terms of the discussion around income generation for you guys? Yeah, I think that feels spot on for us. The, he was sent a screenshot on accident by his... Um, HR department with everyone's salary. And so that's why he feels like he could ask for a significant boost. Like it's not just in his mind. It's like, okay, comparatively. Yeah. Um, but he's going to wait until that annual review time. Mindy, I love the idea. I'm going to call it a hype folder. Like he can hype himself up with like your hype, <laughs> the folder. hype folder. There you go. There you go. I, like I feel that like idea. he could attach to that. Um, so I have a comment. Yes. I have a comment about your jewelry making. Yes. Are you making the same things over and over again so that in your shop, you are your online shop, you're selling this circle necklace and this square necklace so that you could continue to make those? Or are they all one of a kind pieces? No, they're definitely like a piece that I reproduce numerous times. I've got really great sellers and it helps keep my production time at the bench really low. So I am able to have like maximum I work 15 hours a week during most weeks. Um, so their reproductibility is important currently. Are you, you said you have really great sellers. Do you outsource the, the production of some no, of it? It's all with these two hands. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> like, that yeah, was be hands. Is to outsource that. So yeah. you have created, I don't know what exactly you're selling. I'll call it the circle necklace and the square necklace. You can teach somebody how to make the circle necklace. So now instead of Lindsay's one hour to make the circle necklace, Lindsay can hire somebody for less than it costs you to sell the circle necklace. Yeah. You have zero dollars into it now or zero time into it now, and you can continue to sell those. 
I happen to know somebody locally uh, who does outsource things like that. Her name is my daughter. So we should talk. (laughs) All right. Um, But having, she is thrilled. She's 14 years old. She is thrilled to be making $12 an hour making jewelry. And I'm assuming you sell it for more than $12 or that it could be made in more than one, in less than one hour. So that if she is being paid to do this or someone else, it doesn't have to be her, is being paid to do this, then you are free to create more pieces that can be reproducible. And now you have more options in your store because, you know, jewelry is really fickle. One day, this is going to sell a billion. But if you only have three in stock, you can only sell three. Whereas if you know that over the past three months, you've sold 27, oh, maybe I could have sold 40. So you have 40 in stock and now they're gone. Or, you know, it's just, it's a way to get more product out there without costing you any of your precious time. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Because then I'm not the bottleneck at the bench. And currently that would, that would really free me up to actually do marketing for my work. I currently do zero marketing, which is pretty terrible for a business and a lot of room to improve. (laughs) And if I'm not literally hammering or shipping items, I could be doing something else better with my time. I think Mindy's Mindy's spot on with this. And I'll just observe that you're probably not doing a lot of marketing as well, because if you market, you have to produce more and you don't have time to produce more. So I I love this discussion that the first framework here that we're going over is what we'll call unit economics. Here's how much it costs to produce the necklace. Here's how much or, or the piece of jewelry. And here's how much it sells for. And right now you can value your time at a certain level and say, if it's cheaper for somebody else to do that, then you're better off as long as you actually can, can move the product and all of those different types of things. So I think it's a great way to think about it. And the more products you have right. and the more capacity um, or, or ability to rapidly scale production based on that demand, the better off your business will be. I lo- that's exciting to me. Another thing I'm going to say, and again, I don't know what your store is. You are probably uh, undervaluing your product. And I, like I said, I don't know what your, um, what your store is. Sounds of Silver Jewelry. Perfect. So Sounds of Silver Jewelry, you might be at the right price, but most people who are doing this out of their home are undervaluing their product. So I would look at your competition and see what are they selling the circle necklace or the square necklace for, or a similar style. Like, I wouldn't compare you to, you know, diamonds and platinum, but if there's other silver jewelry that has a simple pendant or a very intricate pendant or whatever it is that you're selling, oh, they're selling it for $50 and I've got my price at 12, then you need to raise your price because clearly they are doing well at 50. Um, This is, it can be really, really difficult. I am absolutely talking out of one side and totally not doing it on the other (laughs) side. So um, I I get it. It's, It's like, oh, well, Am I really providing that much value? Yes, you are. So do a price audit as well to see if there's more ways to generate income, especially if you could raise it just a little bit, like five or $10, and then you're paying somebody else to make it. You're now making slightly less per item, but $0 coming out of your, or zero time coming out of you. I think that's a good idea. um, And I also, I have... I have several high schoolers to hook you up with when we're done with this call. (laughs) Awesome. I might need some babysitters too, so they can like make jewelry and then just transition right over to the childcare. Yeah. While while I think these are all spot on observations, I do want to acknowledge that if you're going to go from just, you know, what it sounds like is mostly creating these things with your, your 
your personal skill to running a business around this sense, this is not going to be something that you're going to be able to scale to fifty, hundred thousand dollars a year in income without a substantial amount of work. Like all of those processes are going to have to be documented. The pricing work is going to be iterative and, and trial by error. You're going to have, if you're going to be hire, hiring high schoolers, um, production quality problems to uh, maintain. To put it one way, uh, with that, and so that that's all going to be a lot of work. And you know, you'll you'll have to determine what the appropriate level threshold is for your schedule with, with all of those kinds of things. Although I think that all of those things are very achievable and you can make a big change there within the, over the course of a year by mapping it out and working on your business rather than in your business. Um, so a great book to read there might be the lean startup as well to kind of talk about some of those, those points. Nice. All right. Yeah. That's a good one. I'll order the book. That sounds good. Yeah. And I think you're right because I'm used to working in it instead of on it. So that will be a big mindset and life shift. But it's exciting to do the promotion and to be like pushing it when you're not, oh, I've got 57 necklaces to make. Yeah. Like now I can take 47 pictures of this and, and show if it you're gonna, the If you're going to pursue this, and I think that's probably, it may probably make sense to pursue this to some degree. I would also consider allocating some of your cash to that. Not a lot, but a few thousand dollars, but somewhere between 2,500 and 10,000 makes sense to me of the, the, the cash position, depending on what your business needs there. Yeah. And would that be, are you thinking that toward the marketing aspect or? I think, I think that as you, for, for, so for example, let's say you, you want to um, scale production, right? Most employees, mm-hmm. and, and, and this includes high schoolers, are probably not down for, I'm going to work whenever you have an order. I'll be, I'll be, be immediately available. You're going to have to probably produce upfront right. to some degree. <laughs> One order came in today. Yeah. <laughs> You know that that kind of stuff. So yeah. so that that's you're going to have what's called a working capital commitment as you make some of these changes. Where you're going to have to put some of that. You're going to have to translate cash, buy the materials, pay people, and then you're going to get done inventory um, in there. And that will probably take some cash to to invest to build to a certain degree. Not a ton, but enough that you should probably be aware of it. I would imagine. Definitely good to earmark some funds for that. I, that's a good point. Okay. Um, do you feel like, do you feel like that's a good discussion of the the um, the create side, or do you have other other? It sounds like you might have another thing there with maybe painting. Um, you know what? Actually, I kind of want to leave painting untouched in terms of um, money. I, I'd like that to be more of a creative outlet because there's that thing about once you get paid to do something that you actually love, it reduces the love for that thing. And I'm afraid I don't want that to happen to painting for oh, me. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Well, is, is there anything else to, then to discuss on the, the create side? Um, if we want to toss in real estate as a create side, or that could be an investment piece, but I think that's the next area we're really interested in looking at. Nice. I love real estate because it can kind of fall in either category, but I generally lump it into the investing side because the goal at least is for it to be pretty much passive <laughs> uh, from that front. But yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. So what, do, what are you thinking in terms of real estate? What are some of the areas you're exploring there? So right now I talked earlier about our basement remodel and we're actually looking to convert that into a short-term rental downstairs here and like kind of looking at numbers around the area. It's we're estimating between like 1500 to upwards of $2,000 a month as potential revenue from our basement. And we've got this really you pin this you unique position okay. where we've got like a residential mixed use zoning because we're in a downtown area. So I've already checked out zoning and we're good there. 
well, this sounds this sounds absolutely perfect. Yeah. I can't I can't imagine a better way to, to begin the path the process of, of investing in real estate than turning your house into the investment. Either this is a this is I think a classic or a, like house hack situation. And so I think that'll be a phenomenal return. That will yeah. immediately improve your cash flow by two thousand dollars a month, um, or twenty five thousand dollars a year if you're at the upper end of that on the um airbnb income side so it sounds like you have thirty five thousand dollars in cash to invest in this um and that you're currently underway with this yeah so i'd say we're more than halfway through the process they're finishing up framing and luckily they didn't come today <laughs> i was a little worried for the podcast i was like well i hope the framers <laughs> don't show up but maybe tomorrow so we're finishing up. We've done a bunch of major work. We've added another bedroom, full kitchen, full bathroom. It's just going to be a separated apartment downstairs. And we were looking at this, at this as like a way to get our feet wet with real estate with like a lower risk. Like we're not purchasing an entire new property, but we can see what kind of numbers are possible. Sorry, you just mentioned it. And I was thinking there, how many weeks until you finish this or months? We're hoping by act like a uh, Halloween end of October is our goal. Okay, awesome. So, so really, just like like sixty weeks from now, you're gonna be you're gonna be live. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> Although construction this summer has been like, oh, just we'll be there in three weeks, and yeah, it's been rough. But that's par for the course, I hear. Yes, it is. Um, so you are going to open up just in time for Thanksgiving and Christmas guests. Yeah. So we're hoping. I yeah. would make sure that you. I would make sure you're comparing your rates to other local rates and other cities around. Because if somebody wants to come to, I'm a couple of cities away from you. If somebody wants to come in my city and mine's all booked up, they'll look to your city yeah. because it's not that far away. So I wouldn't just compare rates to your location, but to surrounding areas. I wouldn't go all the way north to where your husband right. works, but I would go, you know, I think in several cities just to make sure. And, you know, Price it a little higher and see what happens. If you're thinking you're going to get a hundred dollars a night, but you you know throw it up there at one fifty yeah, and see I, if anybody buys. I, I, I would also echo that, like from a strategic lens, this this is perfect, right? The, the, this is a really this is a, like a like a very uh, right up the alley uh, 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 move for you guys. It's in your basement, like you said. It's it's training wheels for later investing because you can just handle it right there. You live there with with all this kind of stuff. You've got all your numbers boiled in. I, I would I would get really tactical over the next six to eight weeks and say, how do I make sure that this launches super successfully? That I dot all the I's and cross all the T's. That I you know all the little thing odds and ends that maybe weren't per completely perfect from the renovation. We're ready to handle in the weekends leading up to launch. We've got really good pictures coming in. We're going to get things booked and make sure that we get a ton of five-star reviews in those first couple of weeks, even if we have to underprice a little bit um, for that. We're going to add those extra nice touches and figure out, go go and read about some playbooks to make sure that you get a really good user experience and can drive that five-star rating with that because those are so critical in the early days. And make sure that this launches the way that you're you're hoping because this is, this is a, 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 a 20... Like we just talked about your business for a few minutes here, but that's earning about ten thousand dollars annually. Is that right? Uh, my business is thirty thousand. It's the online coaching thing 30, that's 000. ten. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. So thirty thousand. So, so you'd have to grow that business by about eighty percent next year to equal the financial return of this project going well. So I don't know which is more yeah, likely. Yeah, and I but feel this one seems, like this is so much simpler. Yeah, this, this one seems much easier and like a really good starting point with that um, to, to stack on just another. 25 grand into your, your savings rate annually. Yeah. And I think for not as much effort, probably as, you know, revamping, relaunching in a way, my business. I, I would completely agree with that. Yeah.
When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A. Biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Saving for a down payment? A wedding? Or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. Real estate investing is great. But for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers an 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split, with 70% of profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, get paid first. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of the physical asset provide additional security in case of borrower default. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by redirecting your funds from Wall Street to Main Street, supporting local economies, and generating profits simultaneously. This investment is reserved for accredited investors, but if you are not accredited, Pine Financial has options for you too. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com BP. That's pinefinancialgroup.com BP. What's, what's next? So, so for, for my... <laughs> 
we're like, okay, well, that sounds perfect. What's what's the, what are you planning on doing after uh, the, launching the the basement as an Airbnb from from a real estate perspective? So the reason we have so much cash in our savings and we continue to just add every week is because we would like to purchase another property, and we're trying to tease out in our minds if we want that to be a short-term rental or if we want it to be another house hack or even just buying an outright investment property. Nice. So what are, what are, what are kind of your considerations along those, those three strategies? So I love how you called it training wheels, (laughs) our our basement short-term rental training wheels. It makes me wish we were already on a balance bike, so we didn't have to do that. Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I, um, I don't mean it. You know, uh, I'm sorry that came out. If that came out a little insultingly, that's not what I meant. Yeah. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I actually, I really do love it because that's true. It's like the comfort of not having, you know, the separate investment. Like we don't have separate overhead for that, other than like doing the linens. Um, so with a short-term rental thing, we live pretty close to Rocky Mountain National Park, which is visited by millions of people a year. And our family, we love the outdoors. We hike as much as we can. We're out at the lakes. We're in the woods. And so we see the opportunity for a short-term rental in our local area within 45 minutes of driving distance for us that we can use as a second home, but could also generate income for us. The hard part is with our current salaries, we qualify for like just just squeaking in to get that short-term rental home because they're starting at like close to five. They're starting at like four hundred fifty thousand for an okayish house. Okay, so so that's like our dream thing. So so let's let's unpack a couple couple of things there. My my first reaction is I love I love the strategy there. You, you know what you know. You've got access to Rocky Mountain National Park. You know the local area. I presume the laws. You've researched the laws there, and those are friendly for mm-hmm. uh, full-time Airbnb Airbnbs in the area that you're in, intending to do this, this, this strategy. Uh, is all that kind of correct? That's correct. Yeah, we really narrowed it into the location that we want because some areas are not as friendly and some are currently very friendly. Awesome. And and have you have you kind of looked in looked at the pricing on those types of things and and put together a baseline analysis of what you think a property might, might sell for and Airbnb income in the in the areas that you're interested in? Yeah, so there aren't there are little radiuses where I can find the numbers. It's hard because um, there's the wild cards of like septic and well, <laughs> which could be huge like outliers in cost, and that feels a little unpredictable in some ways. But we see the potential return if we could find a place for in that four hundred and fifty thousand dollar range to be making about a thousand dollars a month would be our goal for that. In one cash property. flow after 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 in cash flow, yeah, and there'll yeah, be yeah. some seasonality. After, P-I-T-I. And, and you mm-hmm. factored in seasonality. Yeah, like so the, that's factoring in. Yeah, because in the summers, the park is so busy. You could be making 6500 a month, where in the winter, it's like if you book a couple weekends, like you just have to be strategic about maintaining that cash to pay for that house. But yeah. Okay. Could be a thousand dollars in the winter, but sixty five hundred in the summer. Well, well, from the surface level, this seems like a super well researched and good good strategy here. I think I think you still have more questions to answer, but you've got time to do that. It sounds like I I, I wouldn't execute on the next investment property 
until your first one is up and running, you know, you, you stabilize operations in, in, in item one before item two. I mean, not necessarily, but that would be my, my bias. Uh, my lean would be towards, towards thinking about yeah. that. And then you said you have an income, um, uh, uh, you're going to be, it's going to be close on the income with this. Well, think about this. You're going to, you're about to launch your first Airbnb in October, get some revenue in there and make, make that hit in as much as a meaningful way as possible in 2021. And then five, and then think about, talk to your lender, talk, talk to a couple of lenders. Let me, let me collect mm-hmm. my thoughts here for a second. No, I see where you're going with this. No, that's great. You get the income on your 21 taxes. You do your taxes in 2022 very yes. early on. So you have the return. You can amend them later, which I've never done. So I don't know how much of a pain in the butt that is, but I know that people do that all the time. So you have the tax return to present to your uh, to your lender. You also just have it in play at the end of the year. So you're getting the highest rates. So it looks like your Airbnb is generating a lot of income. Yeah. Um I think your Airbnb can do very, very well where you're located because you have, like, you're so close to Rocky Mountain National Park. You're so close to the golf course right there. You're so close to, you know, I would advertise it with that golf course in there too. You're so close to a lot of different things. I would absolutely be promoting that. Yeah. So, so from, from, yeah, exactly. Thank you, Mindy. That was, that was kind of where I was trying to head with this and collect my thoughts on is right now your income is at X, right? And at the end of the year or in February of next year, your income will be at Y, right? And, and, that, in, and that will increase, you know, as, presuming you're able to continue doing the things with your current business, presuming you're able to launch the Airbnb and presuming that your uh, husband gets a raise as we, as we just discussed with that. And so whatever your threshold is today, it may be much higher than, it, you know, in, in three to six months, depending on how things go. And whatever you can do to realize that income and have give yourself the best odds possible, that will increase your ability to borrow for this next property with that. So you can do some research right now, and maybe maybe you're closer than you think right now by just calling up a couple of lenders and asking them about that. Have you, have you done that yet? Uh, I've talked to a couple of lenders and the information I've received so far, like they wouldn't even include my um, online coaching position in addition to my current business income. They're like, well, you can pick one of these. <laughs> I was like, but I have both. So I wonder about that Airbnb, like, will there have to be so many years of returns? And I guess that's um, something a lender can answer for me. Yep. So I think, I think that's, I think that um, I'll need to think about that more, but I would, I would continue calling lenders because income is income okay. and, and yeah. don't just ask them about where you are today. Ask them where, ask them where you are today, because you want to know that yeah. information. You may be, you may be in position. What, what can I qualify to for today based on where I'm currently at. And then say, once I file my taxes at the end of this year, I think you're going to see income here, here, and here. And expect all of these things to continue. If if I do that, if I hold up my end of the bargain and continue with these these income streams through that point, then at that point, what will you be able to get me uh, get me yeah. in terms of financing? If I file January third, um, you know, and, and go there, can I can I get a qualified on January fifth for a mortgage based on that income? Th- those are questions I'd begin asking lenders and setting them up for, and perhaps. Um, 
you know, maybe we could put this into the, the Facebook group thread here and see if any actual lenders out there can answer these questions for us and, and give, give us more detail about which types of income can be used when. Because I think, I think you're setting yourself up for, you're in, you're in, I'm constricted by income limits today mode, but you're about to, I, I, I think your Airbnb income is highly likely to be eligible um, to be lent against um, uh, on a go-forward basis. And you may even find that a portion of the short-term rental income expected from your next property can be included mm. as income um, because if you demonstrate history as a successful Airbnb landlord or Airbnb host with this. Yeah. So those are all things. I'm actually not quite as familiar with that particular thing as I am with traditional rents where that is the case. Um, but you right, may find that, like that, is, that is possible. Rents. Yeah. So you, you, your borrowing ability may dramatically expand because your income will go up and because your tax return history will show income from this place, meaning that your next property may be able to produce income to qualify for it. This is a lot of conjecture here. I know that that is generally speaking directionally true with, with long-term rentals. It may There may be some nuance with short-term rentals. I think a discussion in our Facebook group may answer some of those questions. Yeah, that'd be great. That I'd love to hear the brainstorm of people because I know there's so many smart people in that group and a lot of them do have long-term and or short-term rentals. So I'm excited to pop in there. Yeah, I will post that in the Facebook group and I'm going to call out um, several of our lenders. John Lalonde and uh, Seth Jones are, have both been very, very helpful with getting uh, information about lending. And then uh, if you have any Airbnb experience specifically, I'll post that in the Facebook groups today, which can be found at facebook.com slash groups slash BP money. I'm also going to post it in the Bigger Pockets forums, which is biggerpockets.com slash forums. And I'll include a link to the actual post in the show notes, which can be found today at biggerpockets.com slash Money show two, three, four. I know I threw a ton of stuff at you right there. All you have to remember is that last link, money show two, three, four. So I I, I, I love this as an approach. I, I, I can't I can't think of something that that smells like a better opportunity based on what we've discussed so far <laughs> than than continuing on this vein with the 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 short term rentals in that area with that. Mindy looks like she's she's thinking something else. I have one thing I want to say, no, I agree with an asterisk up at the top because I think this is an awesome way to generate income. However, I just want to make sure that you have a very well-funded emergency reserve fund because we live in a fickle area. And if we don't get a lot of snow, maybe we don't get a lot of visitors over the winter, or maybe we get too much snow and no visitors can come even get up there. Um, I want to make sure that Delta doesn't come slap you in the face as soon as you buy a house and then everything shuts down again. Um, I don't think that that will happen, but I don't have a crystal ball and I didn't expect the other one either. So there's just a lot of things going on right now. I want to make sure that you can buy from a position of uh, stability and then also not create anxiety and worry should circumstances outside of your control come in and change your plan. Yeah, I think that's a really good point so. to keep that strong emergency fund, especially because these properties are more remote, you know, so the Delta variant doesn't worry me so much as a septic tank or a wildfire, you know, those are like big things. Mm-hmm. So it's very I important. I sold a house up there last year and like three months later, 
here comes this wildfire and they were ordered to evacuate. I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? It was. No, it wasn't three months later. They still hadn't sold their other house yet. That was the issue. They came down. Oh, it was it was. Yeah. So there's lots of scary things that can happen and you should be prepared for them. But, you know, I I completely agree with those as the risks. You need to research those risks. But from a a strategic lens, this seems like a potentially good area to to at least explore seriously because you love the outdoors, because you live there, because you're learning about the profile of your likely client in the next couple of weeks with this, you know, and and it's I would imagine you're going to get the skill set pretty quickly to run a pretty good shop in this area for, you know, and deliver a good experience. Those are all overwhelming advantages to me that make this at least a, a serious consideration. There could certainly be risks and things with certain properties or specific areas that make it a no-go or the region. You know, if you, if you lose if you lose faith in the region, then we have to completely reset the expectation and <laughs> go in a different direction that. <laughs> with that. Yeah. So, so those are those are definitely things to consider. But like this, this makes a lot of sense to me. And Mindy's reservations of like, yeah, this is not a place to you know, have a a $5,000 emergency reserve in this business. You should probably capitalize it with six months of mortgage payments at the very least, maybe even a little bit more because of the, 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 the risks that are associated with, you know, the the seasons, um, the, the seasonality of the business, which is the same thing, but like, I mean, literal risks that the seasons bring like fires (laughs) and then (laughs) seasonality that is brought by the the market and those kinds of things. I think those are all great points, but it it still seems like a really good place to keep, to keep exploring seriously with this. All right. That's encouraging because it is a big step for our family, but I feel like it's a strategic step and we're not going to know unless we do it. And I'm like, well, what's the worst that could happen is I keep asking myself, I'm like, well, we use the property and it doesn't make as much money and we enjoy it. And, you know, we're in a, like not as big a money making income. Like, is our time to fi delayed by a few years? But I don't anticipate that being the thing. I think we need to take a big step up and try. You know, w- one point on that last thought that I've, I've thought about is I think for, for me, I I have a hard time believing that I can purchase a vacation home or a second home and actually make that a good investment. I'd have mm. a my, I I think I could purchase a property that I think is a great investment and maybe use it occasionally with that. But I think that 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 paradigm is is important in thinking about this kind of stuff because you know, I've looked at a lot of these these things and I I don't see a lot of friends, family, colleagues, that kind of stuff, becoming wealthy, investing in their vacation homes. Those those towns are generally good at sucking money out of the out-of-state investors, not putting it into their pockets with that. So I think it's a subtle distinction, but an important one as you, as you think about this is what's the best investment first. And if that really, that goes on to produce a thousand, 1500 or $2,000 a month, then you can spend that money to go and enjoy the vacation in the place that you actually want to vacation in with that. And so I just encourage you to, to just make a subtle distinction there and think about it from investment first, family property second with those types of things. Um, 
because I, I do think that the worst that can happen is that the property goes underwater. There's not a good cash flowing item there, and you're not really enjoying it in five years the way that you thought you would with that. That that's that that's a bad outcome um, for, for yeah. one of these things, and I think it's something to, to to weigh seriously with that. The good news is that your alternative here is to dump the you know or well the, the, only, the we haven't discussed a lot of the alternatives, but. We know that the approach of putting the money into the 401k and maxing out that is not going to generate is, is not doesn't, has essentially zero probability of generating the freedom and flexibility outcome that you want in the next three to five years. And this does have a possibility of generating that. So it's still worth pursuing, but that, that would just be an important nuance, I think, to address. Yeah, that's definitely important to consider and to really think of it as investment first, because that is the goal. The goal is not to just get ourselves a vacation home for us. It is to advance ourselves financially to that place of freedom. So here's the question then. If you are um, considering it just as a pure investment how much DIY would you be doing on the property? Let's say you bought a property and it was, uh, it, it needed some work. Would you tend to hire that out or would you tend to do that yourself? Um, so I would say it'd probably be a blend of the two. Patrick and I have been hands-on in remodeling our home. It's like a fifties ranch and we bought in original condition, which was cool. And it needed some updating. So we're not afraid to hire things out and also we're not afraid to get our hands dirty. So cosmetic stuff like painting or light fixtures, that kind of stuff we can do ourselves flooring. But if it's like major plumbing, electrical, that kind of stuff, we would defer to professionals, especially like we need it to be permitted work. If it's going to be a place where other people come to stay. Um, something to consider since you do have self-employment income is a self-directed solo 401k. Mm. This is something that I really like because you are able to put a lot of money into it um, up to $54,000 a year from contributions from you personally and your company matching your salary. Um, what I like to do... Yeah. Would that be my jewelry company or like Airbnb company? Um, well, which company is paying you money? Hmm, maybe both. It's whichever <laughs> one. We have one LLC that we both uh, have money going into and then we can both contribute to our 401ks that way. And the way it works is you have your 19.5 contribution, just like a regular 401k, but then your company can match up to 25% of your salary. Well, my first 19.5 goes into my 401k and then 25% of that, which was my salary, also goes in there from my company. So I'm putting in 24,000 before I have to think about paying taxes on any money. So that could be a way. And then with your self-directed solo 401k, you can use that to invest in real estate. The rules are you can't touch the real estate. So you need to hire a property okay. manager. You need to um, not touch, like you can't go fix anything. So if you had a, we, we did that with the mobile home park in Maine. I'm not driving over there to <laughs> just fix a furnace. I'll pay somebody to do that. And I think having it closer would have been more tempting um, to, to do repairs ourselves. But if you can't find something locally, perhaps going out of state could be a good idea and then funding it through your self-directed solo 401k. So that's just, uh, what do we call this, Scott? Research opportunity. That's a research opportunity for you to look into the, 401, the solo 401k and see if you want to invest that way. The caveat is all of your investments, all the, when, when you're making money through those rentals, it's going back into your 401k. So it's another way to generate income for the future 
not for the current. Yeah, I, I, I think those are all awesome and effective, and effective tactics with that. I, I would imagine that you're going to start rolling into a couple of those within the next three or four or five years, because if you can, if you build out a Airbnb business and things go well, the way that this is looking and, and, and continue to see the increases on here, you're going to begin having a good problem of having even more cash rolling. Right now you have 2000 a month rolling in. If you get another Airbnb, it will be a, uh, Three thousand dollars a month. Then you have your 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 personal your your basement will start bringing in an extra thousand to two thousand. So within three years, you could be accumulating five thousand dollars a month after tax with that. And now all of a sudden, you've got a good problem of okay, now I can actually max out the four hundred one k and continue with my my investing approach over here with that. So yeah, that's an interesting one. And have enough to sustain our life. And yeah, that's a. Yeah. yeah. And we don't have, first, I don't have a solo 401k. So that is interesting, especially as yeah. hopefully this passive income starts to supplement and or replace our current income. Yeah. You don't have one yet. Yes. Um, on that front, I've got an interesting tactical question for, for Mindy, maybe on this one, you've got a hundred and you got 80,000 in cash to play with, right? We had 115, 35 set aside for the basement remodel. You need that in the short run here. What do we do with the other 80,000 while we're waiting to get qualified for this Airbnb property, assuming that it does, it is going to be as, you know, the next the op- opportunity will be in Q1 2022. I would make sure that the, I would personally go in and max out the self, the Roth IRA, for both me and my mm-hmm. husband, um, we do that every year at the beginning of the year. And sometimes it turns into a pain in the butt. You have to pull money out. But I don't think we're there right now. Um, so that is, what is that? 6000 each. So that's $12,000. So now we're down to sixty-eight. I would probably put it into BTSAX while I'm waiting. But there is the risk that the market could go down. So... If you know for a fact that in 2022, you're going to be buying a house, I would just put it into a high yield savings account. Um, Who did we just talk to, Scott, that had the high yield savings account? Uh, I think this is going to be another Facebook question. It was it was like three percent or something. Wow, it was, it was paying fairly. Yeah, we're, we're at like point oh oh one or something ridiculous. H M Bradley. Yes, H M Bradley, and you have to have a an invitation. Don't they need to sponsor oh. us first? Oh, H M Bradley. <laughs> I, I have not used H M Bradley. We, yeah, we just had a guest come on recently who discussed that they had an opportunity to earn three percent if you met certain criteria, such as I think setting up your direct deposit and all that kind of stuff. Something to investigate, but I have not personally used it and can't give a more than a maybe go maybe go look into those guys. Um, okay. With that. I use Ally, I also friend, not a sponsor. Okay. I was going to say, my friends use Ally, so we could always try that. But yeah, I would be afraid to put it into the market, although it's been hard to watch the market just have a great time and ours is just sitting in cash earning a penny. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 but we're like, we yeah. know why it's there. I, I think I think it'd be hard to put the ADK into the market if you feel pretty strongly that you're going to be buying a property in the next six to 12 months. And, you know, I, I think that that's, that's probably right is the, the, the savings account if, if that's your lean. Yeah. And just to see appreciation in the area. I mean, it's been insane. So I'm like, well, we better, we better buy while we can before we get priced out and can't earn more money to get into the market. Well, I will say to, if anybody has an HM Bradley invitation, please send me a note and I will connect you with Lindsay so that she can be earning a little bit more please. money. 
Um, people will also probably hit you up with crypto. I don't understand crypto, so I don't invest in it. If you don't understand it, I would recommend that you not invest in it either. But what you do is your. I think it's just too volatile for our needs currently because we know that real estate is our path in the like very immediate future. Crypto is interesting to me, like over a long span, but not in a one year time horizon, just because I've seen it go up and down. And that seems to be the way. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. Yeah. So uh, one last thing you mentioned, Lindsay, was a potential new house hack. So two questions to consider there. What would you do with your current property? And would you stay in the same area or do you have any concerns about the house hack? Yeah. So I think just generally Generally. as a parent, so our kids are very young, they're two, four and six. And so I think my worry is re uprooting them, I guess, although it wouldn't be very far. I could imagine us staying within a 10 mile radius, maybe the school district. So it wouldn't be very far, but I worry about my little fledgling. I moved three times. I moved three times in second grade. They'll bounce back. Okay. All right. That's good to hear. With experience. I was the yeah, new well, kid three times in oh. second grade. We moved from Arizona to Oregon to California to another place in California. I mean, we were all over. We didn't stay in the same place. We didn't even know the same people. So, yeah, I they will bounce back. I I get the concern, but also your kids are, let's see, they're they're like outgoing and fun and like gregarious. They'll make new friends in like five minutes. Yeah, I, I think you got to model it out because moving is no fun. Um, True. But moving can can have a huge financial upside to, to your position with that. And so I think that those need to be weighed. And so I, I would think first, model your current home out as an investment after you move out with all the things in place. Are you going to Airbnb the top and the bottom? Are you going to rent it out as one big unit? How, how are you going to do that? What's the income potential? Um, from that, is it, is it a strong cash flow? Would you buy it again as an investment property or should you just sell it and pocket all the gains, likely capital gains tax-free and then redeploy 400 grand inclusive of the sale proceeds and your 115 that you currently have with that, right? That, that, that's a big decision, but it it begins to get opened up. If you're considering moving with this, you now have a $400,000 decision to make and you're making it one way or another, if if you keep the place or sell it. And it's something to think through and and actually model out with that. Um, so that'd be the, 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 the first point. I think this, this home feels like a golden goose to me. So I wouldn't want to sell it or like essentially kill the cash here. So we bought it back in 2017 and with a 1500, you know, 1550 mortgage and that's principal mortgage, taxes, insurance, all of that. And if we could get 700, we rent the detached garage, we get maybe up towards of 2000 just for the basement. And then we could rent the main floor either short or long term. If short term's going great, it could potentially be another twenty two hundred. The upstairs is larger and also fully remodeled. So I think this could be I mean, and then we could almost be five right there if we moved to one strategic location. <laughs> I, I love it. I think that's great. I just again would say, you know, that, that it, it could be that that's the case, but I would just zoom out and be really 
cold about it with, in terms of the numbers, just ruthless with, with those numbers and say, okay, that's great that the mortgage is 1500 bucks, but that's because you bought it right. at a lower point and it's appreciated with that. Right now, if you were to redeploy the capital, how would that look? If you were to, ca- if you were to buy it with a, again, right now with a 20% down payment, um, how would, how would that, per- how would that same scenario you just painted perform relative to other opportunities in the area and that's those kinds of things point. with it? And so that, that is a big, um, yeah. can I ask a quick question? question in, you know, to be piggyback, piggybacking off of that, what about, um, like a cash out refi once we're done remodeling the basement same to, in order to like use that equity? I think same, same deal, uh, with that is, is exactly, is, that's, that's exactly it. You've got a, you've got a, uh, most of your net worth in this area, if you're going to consider doing this and, and, and deploying that somehow, I would do the exact same analysis. I'd say, what is the what what is a good opportunity out here look like? What are those properties? Is my house actually one of those best opportunities, or do I want to live here? If you want to live there, that's we have right. a different conversation, and we don't we don't treat it like an investment. But am, do I want to do that? And if so, does it make sense to leverage it? Does it make sense to keep it as is? Unlikely, I would imagine, actually. Um, or does it make sense to do some, you know, to sell it with that? And in the case of primary residences versus other investment properties, we have that special dynamic where the sales proceeds are not taxed, not subject to tax if you live there for two years or longer, which introduces that as a, and in often cases, a much more likely option than in investment property cases. Doesn't mean it, it is the option. It just means that its odds have increased if I'm looking at it on an average, like a, you know, ac- across the set of, of should I sell my primary residence or keep it as a rental decisions? The, the answer is more often, I think, sell than it is to hold or refi com- when compared to investment properties that people own and that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, that, that makes that, helpful? that makes sense, especially given that we've lived here for four and a half years. So we've more than met that like occupancy requirement. Mindy, fix and flip. <laughs> <laughs> the live and flip, the best. The live-in flip. There we go. Yeah, the best way to spend every minute of your life ever <laughs> under dust. <laughs> yeah. So, so that I think you know now the the issue that I see with that decision is that I think it's I think there's a big relation to this decision and what we discussed earlier on the income front. So I think you need to talk with some lenders and really think through the ramifications of that because if you sell the place or cash out refi, it may affect your ability to borrow against some of these other things. And that may change dramatically if you were to, for example, complete the Airbnb, get the next pro- the next Airbnb property, and then you're sitting at the end of next year with two stable Airbnb situations with that, a history of that, and a tremendous amount of more potential income. Now redeploying that asset might be a little bit different. I'm getting way ahead of myself here, and I'm making a tremendous amount of assumptions with that. But that's that's where my mind is beginning to turn if the house hacking option comes into play and you're, you're thinking about selling or refinancing the primary on this. is Run it like the other investments and then think about, okay, in a year, if I do this, my income situation could look like this, and my cash position could look like this. What is the what that? There's a huge number of possibilities from that point um, to think through and, and really formulate a good, clear plan on how you're gonna, what you're gonna do, and why. 
in the context of that. That just seems to almost open up a can of financial worms (laughs) because I hadn't really thought about um, selling this property. I, I intended to hold this almost indefinitely because our payment is so low and we have, we'll have three units on this one property that we bought as a single family home. Yeah. Your, your payment is so low because you have so much equity though, right? So it's not, it's not really like, Oh, that's a great, that's a great thing there. It's, Oh, I have a ton of equity and therefore true. That's tied up in the house. Yeah. So let's look at the numbers really quickly. We have a good problem. (laughs) It's an okay problem. We have 800, 800 for the, um, garage. So I get 700 a month for the garage. Okay, 700 for the garage. Downstairs, you're estimating 2,500. And then I'm guessing 2,000 for the downstairs. And that's like a conservative estimate. I like to be conservative with those numbers. I love conservative numbers, but I think that's like way too okay. conservative. I think if you're going to be rented out every single night, it could be closer. Well, so 2,000 would be your after all expenses. What are your expenses? You've got cleaning, which I'm assuming you're going to be doing because you are in, you live upstairs. Um, I'm upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm so currently my plan it. is to do the cleaning and eventually we could hire that out. Yeah. So if you're renting it at a hundred dollars a night, that's $3,000 a month. So I like running the numbers with 2000. I'm just saying, I think your numbers are going to be surprisingly low. Yeah. Um, uh, pleasantly surprisingly low. And then what do you think you could rent out the main level for? So if we were going to do like long-term rental, we could rent it out for 1800 or short-term rental. I'm guessing it would be in that 2,500 range just for the main level. Okay. So that's four, five, six, seven, or four, 40, you know, but- $4,500 a month. Now taking the 400,000 that you have in equity and the 80 in cash you could probably deploy that 400 and make more than 4000 a month in another location. Well, you know, that that's pretty good. <laughs> so so maybe it could be it could be it, that we've got one of those those cases where where it is a good a good bet to to keep the to keep the place as is. And, and and perhaps also underlying a lot of this is because this has been in your mind for some time, you've been slowly converting the property into an optimal long-term rental like with the garage and the basement renovation and that kind of stuff. So it could be that that's been going on behind the scenes to change the the math here a little bit for us. Is that is that possible? That's possible. Yeah. So so then look, I think I think you got to run the numbers with it. Compare it to here's what I'm actually thinking about investing. What if I just bought four of those compared to the the the, the primary there? Am I better off with that approach than I am with the primary? And then you can begin converting that process over time, either with a cash out refi to get some of that at first. It doesn't have to be next year you do this. You could do this over the three year period. If you wanted to kind of dip your toe in and prove the model first, but then you could say, okay, great. I'm going to cash out 80 to hundred. I'm, I'm going to invest my 80 to hundred in the next, in Q1. Then in Q4, I'm going to cash out refi and use some of my savings or, you know, to get number two, um, or find another financing alternative. Then I'm going to be like, okay, I've got the model. I'm ready to buy four through eight time to sell and redeploy, um, with this. So that would be one way to approach and unpack the problem in a way that's probably a little bit more bite, ch- bite sized than, okay, I'm going to sell the house tomorrow. Uh, and then redeploy yeah. 500 grand <laughs> across my new business approach, which might be a little, a little overwhelming at first, uh, with this, I got to do those training wheels first, Yeah, <laughs> but this is great. We, we went, we went kind of in reverse order almost, uh, not that we didn't start with something that was unimportant, but like clearly the, if you're considering this, this is the big, 
um, lever to pull in, in your in your financial position over the next couple couple of years is the approach you're going to take potentially with real estate and investing, and with your largest asset being on the table, your home equity, um, as a as an option that you're willing to consider using to get to your three to five year goal. Um, that opens up a tremendous number of possibilities and hopefully gets your gets the wheels turning. Definitely. Yeah. We got to do some more numbers crunching or I do. <laughs> I'll just present it to Patrick. <laughs> Here's your options, <laughs> A or B or C. There's so many options. There's so many options. Okay. Before we go at the very beginning of the show, we mentioned how you are crushing it with groceries and we've never actually talked about how you're crushing it with groceries. So how do you keep five people fed for $700 a month. I am a bit of a sales nerd. So every Wednesday I check out King Supers is our local grocery store. And so I just check out the advertisement and I see what meat, vegetables, fruit, what's on sale that week. And if it's not on sale, I tend to not buy it. It's like, oh, raspberries aren't on sale this week. Well, we don't just, we don't get those. And so it's just very strategic about meal planning and matching it up with the on-sale items. Is there a really good deal on hamburger this week? Well, that's what we're going to buy a little more. Wow, Scott, that sounds a whole lot like uh, Aaron Chase's method on episode three, where you were like, I just I spend more than that. We're a family of two. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on to our... (laughs) (laughs) Scott, I'll meal plan for you. It'll be like $300 a month for you. Uh, oh well, <laughs> that that's awesome. We'll have to we'll have to get a I'll have to go and investigate, and I hope that's an inspiration to a lot of folks. I mean that that and that's making a huge difference in your financial position as long as you accumulate all this cash and have all these options to, that we just discussed is discipline in that area pro, among others. But that one seems like the mo- the one that requires the most ongoing maintenance to keep that low. Yeah, it just requires that intentionality. Is really just observe and meal plan around that. And we don't feel deprived. I mean, we're able to go out and eat a couple times a month. And I and really, we enjoy home cooked meals often more. It's always disappointing when I'm like, oh, I could have made a better fajita. Well, Scott, <laughs> I think that's an important point. It's, it's easy to let that particular um, line item in your budget go crazy. It's so easy to be at the grocery store when you're hungry and you're like, oh, the raspberries, they're not on sale, but they sure look good this week. I'm going to get them anyway. And one time isn't a budget buster, but every time you go to the grocery store and you buy the things that aren't on your list and you buy the things that aren't on sale, it adds up really quickly. So I think it is, if you're looking for places to cut, that's a really great one that can have a huge impact in your monthly budget. I mean, she's $700 a month for five people. I'm not even close and my kids are bigger and they eat more and I'm not even close to $700 in my budget. I actually don't even want to run it. (laughs) We'll expand it as we get teenagers, though. Being better. (laughs) Yes, you will. There's like an asterisk on that. It's like, they're two, four, and six. How much do they really eat? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Mine ate like linebackers. (laughs) Well, well, Lindsay, is there anything else that we could talk about today that would be helpful to you? Was, Was this useful? Was this what you're looking for? No, this was really useful. It was not only validating, but it has me thinking more creatively and I'll have to take this away thinking about my own business and then going forward with the short-term rentals and also really checking in with different lenders because I'm going to need a lender who is also going to be able to think creatively because Patrick and I know we can cover an additional mortgage, even if someone else wasn't going to rent it, which is not the intention. We're going to have someone else pay our mortgage, but 
yeah, just speaking creatively about financing future properties is going to be an important key to getting to our next step. Absolutely. And by the way, all of the things we talked... Because on paper, it's like we do, we earn a thousand, a hundred thousand. And all the things we talked about, are I was attacking from the lens of traditional, conventional type financing. Other alternatives to that exist out there that are asset-based and those kinds of other things. They'll often have worse terms that are not maybe 30-year mortgages or very low interest rates, but those are things to potentially explore as well. Um, in addition to the... Uh, the conventional stuff, the, the discussions to set yourself up for a conventional loan, um, at least as an option in, in, in the next year or two as well. Awesome. Lindsay, this was so much fun talking to you today. I really, really, really appreciate you being able to talk to us and share your story because I think that you're in a position that a lot of other people find themselves in or very similar positions. Um, and I bet you just taught a lot of people about how to fix our grocery budget. Hooray. Oh, other hot tip for families. Potty train early, then you don't pay for diapers. Woohoo! Woohoo! It sounds like there are use numerous class. advantages to that gross, approach. So that sounds like great advice. The earth loves it too. Yeah. <laughs> Five yeah. tip, don't spend $50 a month on diapers. Yeah, I was thinking of the earth. That's right. Um, <laughs> Mindy laughs at the earth. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm... Earth. We had a little boy over this weekend and he had his own little potty. It was very cute. Because I don't have potty seats anymore for my chairs because mm. we're done. We potty chairs. They're going to be so embarrassed if I don't. Mom. <laughs> They're going to be so embarrassed if I don't. They had happened a long time right. ago. Mom. Oh, nice. Yeah, this would be the one episode they listened to. Well, thank you both. Lindsay, thank you so much for your time. This was a lot of fun and I will, we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. It's been great. Okay, Scott, that was Lindsay and that was a whole lot of really awesome options. What did you think of her story? I thought it was really fun. I think, I think that we didn't get, you know, most of her net worth is in the home equity. And so we almost approached the the diagnosis and unpacking of her situation and strategic options in the opposite order. And it's just learning for you and I, I think, to be like, oh, well, we're worth five hundred fifty to 600000 and more than half of that is in home equity. Is the home on the table? Usually, it's kind of just a de facto no. Um, <laughs> people are like, oh, I'm, no, I'm not going to sell my home with my family in it and begin using that. To, to, to build equity. But if you are willing to do that, wow, that, un- that, that can dramatically change the, the outlook and projections and speed to financial freedom with that kind of stuff. And I think that that's going to really get the wheels turning in her mind and her husband's mind as they unpack this and think through the ramifications of that, because they could be in a position in two years from now where they've got multiple real estate properties producing large amounts of cash flow from multiple um, short-term rentals with that. Or a great investment return on their primary um, with with from a cash flow perspective, which they've really converted into a triplex uh, for the most part. Um, and it's, it's, just, it's just a very interesting way that we unpack the situation, I think. And, you know, really powerful a learning opportunity for us. I like you said she turned her primary home into a triplex. She did. She has a rental garage. She has a rental unit in the basement, almost finished. And then her main level unit. Look for creative ways to generate more income through your current property. Or when you're considering buying a property, look at properties that have other ways to generate income. A detached garage can be a great source of income for somebody who wants to store their stuff. And you, if you don't need it, that's awesome. 700 bucks a month she's getting. 
just for renting out space in her garage. Um, after the episode, we Lindsay and I talked even more and I gave her a lot of ideas for her jewelry business. I'm super excited to see that. I know Lindsay in real life, so I am going to hound her in six months to come back and give us an update on what has happened and what options she's taken. So look for that in about six months. That'll be awesome. Scott, this episode ran a little long today. Should we get out of here? Let's do it. From episode 234 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, here's Scott Trench and I am Mindy Jensen saying it's been a real thrill, baby krill. reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the bigger pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping to pay down your mortgage each month, four kitchens and bathrooms you can renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can afford? Which market and which deal is best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down by four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? These are all great questions, all to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devtha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. That's biggerpockets.com slash F-O-U-R. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.